Hi, good afternoon. Um, I hope everyone can hear me clearly. If not, perhaps somebody on our team can let me know if I'm not coming over loud enough. Um, today's topic, choice and simplicity, it, it doesn't sound like very, a very dramatic or very technically oriented topic. Um, we could probably get a lot more people on the call if we were doing something like pay-per-click advertising or click fraud or something that, that, that's in the news. Um, you won't certainly find too many headlines out there on this topic. But we believe that the, the issue of simplicity on, in web design, particularly on home pages, offer pages, and landing pages, is, 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 is probably the single greatest determining factor when it comes to conversion rates. Um, getting subscribers, completing purchases, getting return visitors. Um, so, so that's what we're going to look at. We've, we've, we've tested with a couple of our research partners. We've done a series of tests. And, and what we'll show you today in those figures is really confirms what we've seen in a lot of other test data is that the the simpler we make it for people to use a page in the way that they want to, the better the conversion rates we get. So I'm just going to step back and, and if we can move on one slide to that kind of synopsis introduction slide. There's a it's, it, it's, it is tempting to provide web visitors with a broad range of options and choices. And I'm just going to read the next paragraph straight. In fact, online marketers often fear that unless they provide the broadest possible range of choices, they might miss out on what a prospective customer or subscriber is looking for. This, this kind of thinking is very prevalent. It's, it's on the web. It, it's, certainly, it's certainly what you experience when you walk into uh, an offline, say if you walk into a supermarket to buy your weekly groceries, um, you are completely inundated with, with selection and choices. Um, I, I don't know about you, but one of the most challenging things I ever find is actually buying shampoo, because what I would really like is just a choice of two, but actually you get about 20 feet and... Uh, of aisle space and you look at all these shampoos and what happens to your mind? You just kind of go numb. Uh, it's even hard to recognize the packaging. You end up having to read all this weird, strange language uh, they put. And, and there's the psychological studies too that, that indicate that when faced with too many choices, our minds tend to just shut down. Um, now the same, not, not to that degree, but we do have the same kind of problem on a website, is that often we feel as designers, writers, developers, we feel under pressure to include a lot of information on a single page, whatever the purpose of that page. What we're trying to do is we're trying to, in one sense, please everyone. Um, but, you know, if, if, if we have widget A, we, we, we're tempted to put in widget B, C, D, and E just in case that's what one or two visitors are looking for. Uh, again, we, we start to get into that problem is as soon as you put in multiple choices, multiple options, you are asking people to spend time making a choice, spend time making decisions. So, so that's the kind of question we, we asked ourselves as we got into this, 
is is what is the impact? Is 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 it is it smart to present addition, you know, extra choices for people? Um, if if there are if if there's a lot of information we think might be useful on a page, should we be creating separate areas on the page and separate columns to uh, you know to feature alternatives, supporting information? Uh, if you want to buy this, maybe you want to buy that. All, all that kind of thing, where we, we feel tempted to put additional information on a page. There's a there's a challenge here as well. I know, and and for those of you who work in or with web development groups, and you've been to those meetings around a table, and you start off with a very simple page, and then these strange folks walk into the room who go by the name of stakeholders. And they come in, and all of a sudden you find that you you are obliged to add other elements to the page because the company wants to represent itself fairly or broadly or, or whatever. So, so I know simplicity is, is is one of the hardest things to achieve corporately uh, on a, on a web page. So. What we're going to do is we're going to have a look at two case studies. So we'll, if we can just go forward a slide, or maybe maybe two slides, uh, to case okay to case study number one. What we were looking at here is simplifying a subscription pathway. And this could have been a purchase pathway, but with this particular research partner, it was a subscription pathway, and, and we did it in three steps. We did, we took three approaches to, to simplifying this pathway to see if we could have a significant impact on conversion rates and revenues. So in this case, we were working with a major publisher of reference books. Um, now, for those of you who have been on these calls before, uh, you know that some, well, I've got a little message here that I'm not really very loud, so what I'm going to have to do is take off, my, just excuse me one moment. Okay, I'm assuming that that's a little louder and that people can hear me more clearly. Um, so, so with with this publisher of reference books, some of our research partners are happy to share their names and and the pages that we work on and and the figures. Others are not, uh, and and to be honest, I I can't say I always blame them when they choose not to, <laughs> not to identify themselves when we show data because it isn't always they may not always feel that if if things have gone well with a test that they want to share it immediately with their competitors. So. We, with this is, anyway, it's a major publisher of reference books, and, we, and they have an online version to which one to which one can subscribe. So we we took three steps. So if we go onto the next slide, and we'll look at the the first step we took. And, and again, for those of you who've been on this call on these calls for a while, you, you're probably getting a pretty good feel for for what we do. Uh, uh, you know the, the the basic steps we take when when optimizing a page. Uh, I don't know whether it's just me, but I haven't. I, I'm still on slide three. Um, anyway, so on, on on the first step we took is we simplified the design of the page. The original version had three columns. Uh, the main column had the basic sales copy and information copy. Uh, this was the, this was the text persuading people that it is you know it would be worth their while subscribing uh, to this online publication. There were, however, fairly narrow columns to the left and right. So, on the left-hand side, to be honest, it was the the there were graphics, there was text, but it was it was mainly decorative. We didn't feel that it was adding to. Uh, 
you're really adding to the sales message. And we also removed the right-hand column, which had a little bit more substantial information, but we changed it. Remember, we were testing simplicity here. When someone comes to a web page for the first time and you have three columns, you are asking people to make a choice right away. Should I look at what's in the left column, the center column, or the right-hand column? Now, you, by, by making the center column the, the dominant column, uh, you're probably going to draw most of your eyeballs to the beginning of that major column. But still, the, the choice is there and the distraction is there. So, so what we often like to do when we're testing is to simplify the eye path. And by one of the easiest ways to do that is by removing extra columns. And what happens is that then somebody starts at the top of the column, and the only way the only way forward is down. There, there are no distractions to the left, no distractions to the right. And that gives you, as a marketer, as a writer, an enormous advantage because it gives you more control over the sequence of the information you're presenting. And, and anyone with any kind of background in sales, copywriting, sales brochure, editing of sales, copy, understands that the sequence in which people are delivered information can have a very large impact on whether or not you complete that sale. So, so we don't want, when you have an offer page, when you have a landing page, uh, you, you don't want people browsing. You don't want people's eyes wandering around the page deciding for themselves what they're going to read first. You, we can never control what people will do. Um, but like heat map studies, eye tracking studies indicate that if you, if you do just have this one column, uh, that the predominant number of people will start at the top of that major column and start to work their way down. And as with any sales text, not everyone will read from top to bottom of that text, and that's where, that's where the value of good copywriting comes in. So, so basically, with this, at this point, we were just trying to remove, we were looking at the design of the page and saying, let's remove non-essential elements and thereby reduce the choices people have to make in terms of where to look and when to look. We, we just wanted to absolutely streamline that. So if we can move on to the next, the next slide. <clears throat> next, what we did is we simplified the subscription process itself. On the original pathway for this company, uh, it was a two-page two subscription process, a two-page pathway. On the first page, they presented their, all the reasons why someone might want to subscribe to this. And then they had, they had they, in fact, they were quite strangely positioned. There were, there were two buttons, graphic buttons on the page, both of which said, try it free now. Um, so, so there was one at the top, a little to the right, which was probably not well positioned, and there was one at the end, which, which was, you know, was the, the obvious intuitive position at the end of the text. So, so people then clicked that. Well, some people would then click that, try it free now, at the bottom of the first page, and would be taken to a second page. And on the second page, there was more sales about half a screen of more sales copy to reinforce the sale, followed by the sign-up form, the subscription form itself. Now, we, we felt there were one or two, if not problems here, one or two areas where we could improve. 
first of all, when you, when you have a two-page subscription process like that, and you have this try it free now button at the bottom of the first page, you know for an absolute fact that you will not get 100% click-through from page one to page two. So you know you will lose people before they get to the form simply because you divided this into two pages. Now, we're not suggesting that there are never good reasons for breaking information into more than one page. But if possible, if this is a subscription pathway, a sales pathway, if possible, keep it to one page because that means that you don't lose whatever the percentage it is between pages. And then right at the end of the second page, they just had one of those gray generic buttons saying submit, uh, which again probably wasn't working as, as, as hard as it could have been. So what we did, and if we can go on to the next, the next page, <clears throat> the next slide, is we, we reduced the subscription path to one page only. Uh, we in fact reduced in length the combined length of their two pages. Uh, so we actually had a, a shorter single page. And we, we basically said, get instant access now. And we had the form. We had the complete form that had to complete all there on the first page. So, so again, we simplified things. We reduced the number of choices. And again, that, 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 that was when we, in the first version where people were asked to go from page one to page two, that was a choice being presented to people, and not everyone would choose to say yes and click that button. So, so in that way, we just again, we're thinking about iPath. We're just trying to move people from the beginning to the completion of the process without anything getting in the way in between. All we want people to do, we don't want people to have to make any decisions. We want them to start reading at the top and continue to the end. Uh, and, and that is like based on our figures here and, and testing we've done elsewhere really seems to make a difference. Now, I know it's not possible. We know it's not possible in every circumstance to make it that simple. Um, we've worked with partners who had really quite complex offerings and quite complex options when it came to payments and subscriptions. And I believe in one case, uh, we ended up with a, a two or three page subscription pathway, but we brought that down from originally it was nine pages. So maybe you can't always do it in one, uh, but there's enormous value to reducing the number of pages if you can. So that was step two. The first step was simplifying the design. Step two was simplifying the subscription process itself. And now onto step three, is we, we basically we simplified the subscription choices. So if we can go onto the next slide, uh, we can see what we did there. And again, this was what we were doing here was a little counterintuitive um, because there are there are some fairly powerful reasons sometimes for providing people with multiple choices when they make a prescription, you know, when they, when, when they sign up to subscribe to something. Uh, I know it myself, like if I'm subscribing and I'm paying, um, you know, sometimes maybe I'll do a monthly option, sometimes I'll go for the annual option. I, I think in my own mind, and this is just in my own mind, um, I go for the monthly option if I'm really not 100% sure I want to continue forever. 
I go for the annual option if I, one, have the money in hand and secondly, have a very high level of confidence in the quality of what I'll be receiving. So, so I'm not sure, Bob or Carlos, who's moving the slides forward, but if we could go on to slide seven. Okay, on the original version of the subscription sign-up, there were three choices. And, and, and again, it was reasonable to, to make these choices available. And, and, and readers had to click a radio button to indicate which one they wanted. The first choice was to buy an annual subscription for $69.95. The second choice was to buy an annual subscription plus a bonus subscription to a second publication at a discounted price. So this was kind of you know getting the bonus thing, and 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 the combined price there was 84.95. And the third choice was to buy a monthly subscription for 11.95. So so we were asking ourselves a few questions here. Uh, one was that second choice where we're throwing in the bonus subscription. There wasn't the, the the bonus being offered was not had not been sold had not been spoken um, about a great deal in the text so so we weren't convinced that the that a reader getting to this point uh, would really want to go for the eighty four ninety five now then we started thinking about the third choice which like I say is a, is a very reasonable choice to present um, because we know that some people if they're feeling a little cautious may want to do this at 11.95 and some people for just it works better with their budget to pay the 11.95 a month rather than a lump sum of 69.95 right now but what we did in our simplified version and and the results are interesting is we eliminated those last two options leaving readers only with the annual option for 69.95 now we, we, Dr. McLaughlin and others on these calls have, uh, have sometimes said that online marketing is testing. So, so this is a test that doesn't jump to mind as an obvious test. This is a, this is a test that is, we, we didn't do it thinking, okay, we, we will absolutely make an improvement here. Our, our basic knowledge base, our experience today tells us this will work. This was a test that was about learning and discovery. Uh, because we, we truly didn't know what would happen if we did that. And I'm not even sure who came up with the idea of saying, okay, let's just have one option. Uh, it's the kind of idea that I know in a lot of corporate meeting environments would have just been shot down. Somebody would have said, no, that won't work. We need to offer at least two. Anyway, we tested it. Uh, and, and, and the reason we tested it is part of this, our interest in reducing the number of choices that people have to make because when you offer more than one subscription choice you are you are asking people to make two choices the first choice is shall I buy or not the second choice is which of these three options shall I choose and again you get you, you're never going to get a hundred percent of people who will go through those two steps so that's what, our, that's what our thinking was. What we didn't know is what the outcome would be in terms of conversions and in terms of revenues. So if we can go on to the next page here, we'll, we'll have a look at what happened. So I'm assuming everyone has, has got this in front of them now. The, you've got the original pathway. I'm looking at the left-hand column. Uh, the unique visitors for, for the original and the simplified pathway, the unique visitors were, were, were similar. Goodness, I've 
lost, okay, my, I lost my screen for a moment. Um, <clears throat> fairly similar, so we had a we had a we, we we had a similar number of people going on each. The original pathway gave us 65 paid subscriptions. The simplified pathway gave us 90. Now, this is as you can see was a was a variable cluster test. We were this is we didn't test. We we went through. We have these three steps I described. Um, we didn't test each one individually as an A-B split test. We just took these three steps. So what you're seeing here is the combined effect of simplifying from three columns to one, simplifying the subscription process from two pages to one, and reducing the number of subscription options from three to two. So we had that uh, paid subscriptions were up by 30%. That meant our conversion rate was up by 42%. That is, and again, it, it depends on the size of of your of your company and what your net revenues are. Um, but that 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 can make a very substantial difference if you look at it over the course of uh, a quarter or or over a year to convert by an additional 42%. Um, the estimated revenue we put here, that estimated revenue is simply based on that number of unique visitors. Um, this company that well, the partner we're working with is, is not a huge company, but it's by no means a small company. Um, we, we, you know, the revenues more than doubled on this, and in fact, in, in, in terms of their size, this probably translated um, to something like an additional $25,000 a month in revenues. Uh, now, if your company is larger than that, then that figure will be much higher, and if it's smaller, it will be smaller. Um, but I think having gone through this process and seen that what we had done you know, gave us that 42% increase, uh, there's something in there that we're doing right. One of the things I was speaking with Jimmy Ellis, who's, who's not with us today, he's on a well-deserved um, vacation, he was saying that when he looked at the, at the details, the breakdown on this, what happened is that because we didn't offer the monthly option, the, and, and again, I'm not sure across what period, so this, this, this part is a little anecdotal um, with a conversation between myself and Jimmy. But what he was saying is for the, for the monthlies that we kind of didn't get, uh, his feeling was that the increased revenue from the number of annual subscriptions we got made it up in terms of cash at the end of the day. I'm not sure, I don't know, Bob, whether you want to jump in and be a bit more articulate about that. Um, I can speak for everyone when it comes to words. When it comes to figures, I kind of fumble a bit. Um, but, I, but I know Jimmy was excited to see that there was an increase in the number of people. Like when, you, if, if, when we offered monthly and annual, uh, we, you know, we got a smaller number of annual because there's a certain number went for the monthly. Um, we lost the monthly, but the annual obviously increased, when, but the revenue from the annual is substantially more. So, so that was interesting to see that. If we want to um, maybe pause for some, we're going to go on in a moment to case study two. Um, but if we, if, if people have questions to put into our chat window, our question and answer window on the right-hand side of your screen there, then please feel free to do that. Um, 
I don't see, and, and maybe Bob or Carlos can, can help me out here, I'm not seeing questions in there right now. Okay, well, well, anyway, feel free at any time to put in questions, and what will happen is if I'm actually not watching them, then, then Bob or Carlos will have a look and they can alert me to some good questions if they come along. So moving on to, to page 9, to, to slide 9 now, if we may. This is, this is our second case study, increasing conversion rates with one step. Um, so what we did here is we worked with a research partner um, that called the, the National Alert Registry. Um, again, if you've been on many of these calls, you'll be familiar with this, this, this organization and their site because it's a, it's, it's a company which, with which we have a very strong relationships. So, so we can often um, do some strong testing in there and share the pages and the results. So what we did here, again, it was a, it's, it's the principal offer page uh, their, their, their business is involved in, in protecting um, children from sexual predators. I'm just going to try. Sarah, I don't know if you're on the line. Is it, is it, what, which, somebody tell me, which buttons is it for me to press on my phone to increase the volume? I've heard it many, many times, but I, I can't recall the... I, I press something, something four or something. Anyway, if someone can let me know that, maybe with a message, that would help. So what we did here is we, 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 we took their offer page and working with the results we'd had from the previous partner, we said, okay, we're going to remove the right-hand column. And again, when you see what we had here, uh, it was a slightly counterintuitive move. Now, in the chat on, on the right-hand side, you'll see two URLs have, have been pasted in the chat. It's marketingexperimentsblog.com, images, nar one the PNG is incorrect. That should be JPG. All right. So if, if, if you want to open that up in another browser, it's that URL, but it's not PNG. It is JPG. It's a JPEG. Uh, the same goes for the, the new version, but you can be good and you can wait for me to get there before you open up the new version. Again, the new version is not PNG. It is JPG. Okay, so here we are. If you look in the center there, uh, we've opened up the National Alert Registry page. And if we can just scroll slowly down there, Bob, and, and just so we can get a feel for that whole page. Um, basically, people come here. They can put in their, uh, their area code, their zip code, and, and see how many registered sexual offenders are, are living in the area. This, in fact, is where our offices are in Jacksonville, and when you look at the map, it looks like every other person is a registered sex offender. The point, the point I want to make here is that, is that we had this information on the right-hand side. Um, it was the center information is primarily sales information. The information on the right, we have the MasterCard, you know, secure code, the verified by Visa, uh, we had a lot more information about what National Alert Registry is. Bob, if you can scroll up a little bit so, again, people can see, see that. So when you look in the center, the, there is very, very little information. Uh, and we put the information on the right-hand side there. We put in background about the law passed by U.S. Congress in terms of making information available to, to parents about uh, registered sex offenders. 
Um, so in the in in the center, it's very visual. We just we just show the problem um, with the number of registered sex offenders in a particular area, uh, and then. For on this one, if you have a look just under the map, it says to get five complete customized sex offender reports today, register below with National Ed Registry for $10. So that was it. It's a $10 asking price. So, again, if you can scroll down a bit now, Bob, uh, we just asked for the email address uh, for, and, 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 and the mailing address. And then what we did is, is after the terms and conditions, this is a kind of yes-no um, this is this is actually a negative option where it says my registration will allow me to receive unlimited reports for just 4.95 a month. So what we did there, um, which may be a little sneaky, is is we we pre-clicked the yes, so people were asked to pay $10 for the full report, and then they'd receive a monthly update for for 4.95. Um, now, in fairness, under that, then they had the credit card number, then click here for instant access. And that's important, the, the whole issue of, of, offer, uh, of, of that promise of instant access. Um, it's, uh, it's probably the, the unique selling proposition here, is, is that anyone has access to, any, any U.S. citizen can get access to this information by going to federal, state, and local government offices. Uh, all the information is available for free if you care to go to all those places. What NAR, what their promise is, is that fill out this form, pay $10, and you'll have it right now. So that's why we, we continued that promise with click here for instant access. And, I, and I'm just going to deviate just for a moment because this reminds me of a, of a clinic we, we, we ran a while ago where we referred to the text in the, the buy button, as it were, as being the tail of the headline. Um, we, there should always be some unique selling proposition, some, some real value proposition in the, in the headline at the beginning of a page. And, and whatever that is, it should be echoed, it should be reflected in that buy button at the end. It should be reinforced. Uh, there are too many buttons we see at the end of offer pages which simply say, um, you know, click here, add to cart, buy now. Uh, these are very generic, very familiar, very non-specific uh, terms that are used across thousands of different sites. Uh, our testing has suggested to us that if you make the, the language in that button more specific and more tightly tied to the promise of your page and your offer, uh, you will get a higher click-through. So, so that was that was page one. So, what we're going to do now is on page two, all we all we did basically is remove that right-hand column, and we were well. There were two things we did. Um, we removed the right-hand column, and we also made a small change later on uh, down the page, which I, which I'll show you. So, so here's that same page essentially. Uh, the, there's very little change in terms of the content, uh, some minor changes in some of the smaller copy, but there is no right-hand column. So, so again, what we did here is what we did with that previous partner is we didn't ask people to make choices. We didn't ask them to choose between reading the center column or the right-hand column. Or sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you 
is that you will have a visitor halfway down your main sales text, and, and the text is working fine, and, and the reader is slowly becoming convinced, getting comfortable, and then suddenly halfway down some box or graphic on, in a right-hand column catches their attention. And, and what's happening here is you, you are fragmenting people's attention. You are distracting people's attention. In fact, the same thing we have seen and tested, the same thing will happen even within a single column format, is that sometimes a non-relevant graphic will distract and dilute people's attention and it will break the flow they're experiencing as they read through the text. So, so be really careful about this. From, from a design and writing point of view, you want to you wanna open the page so that the reader's eye is thrown to the beginning of your most important message, your sales message. And the only thing you really want that person to do is read from top to bottom. That gives you the greatest chance. So, so as we go down here, there are there are one or two changes. And again, this is a variable cluster test. It was a sequential test uh, run for one period and then another period. So not a, a true A-B split test. And in, in both cases, with both of these examples we're showing you, it's the kind of thing where we make some changes, throw them up against the wall, and say, hey, if we see something significant, then we can go back and find out what it was specifically that made the most difference. Um, we, we, we do that for a good reason. Sometimes when, you, when you're doing a true A-B split test, um, you think, okay, we're going to make one change. And, and sometimes this can be a slow way because, because you don't know whether the one change you choose is going to have a big impact or not. And there's time and cost associated with running that. So, so one of the things we quite often do is we'll start off with a variable cluster test or even a multivariate test to give us a broad picture of what appears to be helping. Then if we see something, if we see something and say, hey, there was a significant difference there, it is well worth our time now investing in doing some, some A-B split tests to, to isolate and find out exactly what worked best for us. So here we removed the column. We made some minor changes. You can see the free child ID kit there. Uh, the click here, for instant access at the bottom. Uh, the yes, no activating membership uh, beneath that button. Um, so, so like I say, the, the, the principal difference we made was the removal of the right-hand column and the simplification of the iPath from top to bottom. I mean, this, this page is is super, super simple. It's, it's, there's, no, there's no paragraph longer than two lines. Almost everything is just one line in length. It is, and, and the visual is very powerful in the center there. Uh, you know, you put in your own zip code, this thing comes up, and it's, wow, there are a lot of people in my area. Um, and if you have young children, that's probably a pretty powerful incentive to find out, <coughs> to find out more. So if we can now move on to the next slide, we'll, we'll have a look at the results of that, see what did it, see what it did for us. I think we'll have to move on to slide 11, and that was I think I've covered that. So we'll go on to slide 12. 
Okay, here are the results. And again, we, we've formatted this in the same way. We have the, we have the, the two rows, the original page, the simplified page. Uh, the original page had slightly more visitors, uh, but again, they're both strong numbers, so we, we, we had a high level of confidence in the kind of validity of our overall results here. Conversion to sales, 1.27 for the original page, 2.53 for the simplified page. What's even more interesting is when you look at conversion from sales to upgrade. Uh, this is where this is the original $10 sale, and after that, we tried to get them to upgrade to, to the monthly um, program. Um, on the original page, we'd upgrade. Now, this is 69.4% of the 1.27%, those who converted to sales. Um, but the simplified page not only converted to sales much better, an increase of 49.8%, uh, but also increased upgrade um, the set from set from those who purchased to to upgrade uh, that was at seventy three point six six percent now that's only a five percent increase in the upgrade but if you look at and again some of you may have been on our uh, the smart the power of small changes webinar several months ago where we looked at the compounding effect of figures like this so so on the face of it uh, that five percent figure on upgrades may not sound like a lot for this week or this month. But if you look at that compounding over several months, uh, you know, over a 12-month period where you're converting at almost double what you were before and you're, you're continually adding incrementally and compounding that, that 5% to upgrade, then this can make a significant difference. And again, Bob, feel to free, free to jump in if I'm, if I'm, if I'm kind of not explaining the figures or the or the money side well. I'm not seeing Bob uh, Carlos. I, I'm I'm not seeing questions coming in from the audience. I don't know whether there are questions coming in or whether it's just me not seeing them. But I just want to take a moment and. Okay, I'll continue, and, and guys, if you see good questions come up, then please interrupt me or interrupt me anyway at any time. Um, so if we move on to the next slide, what we're going to do is, is based on this, is we've put together really a, a list of seven guidelines or at least a, a, a list of seven questions uh, that an online marketer might want to ask him or, or herself when preparing a landing page, an offer page, a subscription pathway, a purchase pathway, um, and this all relates to the, the, the issue of, of, of making things simple. And like I say, underlying all this is, is the issue of, of choice. How do you present choices? Uh, can you reduce the number of choices? Can you simplify the choices? Can you remove the distraction, any distractions, so that people's eyes and attention are focused only on those small number of choices? So, if we can, if we can advance that to slide 13 now. When it comes to simplifying landing pages and offer pages, a key factor to consider is the number of choices you present to your visitors. 
so 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 this is a this is a, a, a what I was, what I was just saying. Too many choices tend to fragment prospects' attention, and and this isn't just our experience. There is there there is plenty of of uh, psychological studies being done that that look at the impact of of, of too many choices, uh, too many choices presented to consumers, too many choices presented to children. Um, it's it, it's it's a well known an established fact now, we believe, that that simplification of choices can, can help help people enormously. And, and it's also a relief. It's, it's a relief in some ways when you're not presented with too many choices. So if we can move on to the next slide, we'll get into the the seven, what we describe as the uh, seven tips. Ask yourself these seven questions. Uh, one, to achieve the purpose of the page, and again, we're assuming when we ask this question that you have absolute clarity on the purpose of your page. Uh, it's quite easy to do with a specific landing page or offer page, um, but again, there are too many pages on too many white websites where the purpose of that page is, it can get a little fuzzy. So, so we're assuming that you, you've established a single primary purpose for the page, and then the question, how many columns are absolutely necessary? Now, again, we understand that in, certainly in some corporate environments, one, one has to fight sometimes over the amount of information on a page, how many columns on a page, which services and products are given placement on a page, uh, designers, writers are often under, under pressure to include more on a page than is helpful. Um, but again, if, if, if you were taking part in our last webinar two weeks ago, we were uh, we put together something of a, of a guide for you uh, as to how to present the need for testing to your managers and to senior management. And, and again, if it comes down to how many columns, test it. Test it. Test, you know, one column against the two or three that you have on a page now. Number two, when adding graphics and other visual elements, ask yourself the question, do they contribute to the message in a way that text alone can't achieve? Quite often, images are used as decoration, and, and they're put on simply because it is felt we should have something visual on the page. I, I'm not, and we are certainly not anti-visual. There are times when a photograph or a graphic can communicate in ways that words really can't do as well. So as a random example, if you're selling a Frisbee, a photograph of a Frisbee is really just decoration. It's, unless, it's, unless there's something different looking about the Frisbee, everyone knows what a Frisbee's like, so it's, 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 it's a, waste of a, a waste of a photograph. If you show a photograph of a father and son throwing a frisbee on the beach with a dog running around in between, now all of a sudden you're doing something much more powerful. You're, you're, you're so, because the thing about a frisbee isn't the plastic, it's the experience. Uh, and it's often the experience between family members or between friends. Uh, that's what you're selling, so that's what you show. So, so when you look at graphics, when you look at photographs, something we do is, is we look at them and we say, one, is this graphic contributing to the message? Is it supporting our sales proposition? Uh, 
Is it doing something that our text alone cannot do? And also, is this, when we look at an image, we ask, is this the most powerful way of presenting this? And, and again, the example of, of, of the Frisbee, if we looked at a picture of a piece of plastic, hopefully we'd very quickly realize that there's a much more powerful way of, of representing a Frisbee, and that is to show it in action, because you're selling not the plastic, but the experience. The, this can be a big problem on web pages, and, and there's a lot of distracting, unnecessary images that could uh, either be removed or they could be uh, changed to, to have a much more powerful, emotive impact on the reader. Number three, how many pages are necessary in order to achieve your purpose? Again, this will depend on the complexity of your offering, uh, the complexity of what you're doing, but, but Almost each time when we look at a, at a, at a pathway sequence, uh, at a multi-page pathway sequence, we will almost always see a way to reduce it. Uh, not every sequence can be reduced just to one page. Many can. Uh, but I don't think we've – I don't recall. I've been working with marketing experiments for oh, almost a year and a half now, and I don't recall us ever having looked at a sequence where we thought, no, we cannot reduce this in length and have it work better. Um, so, so consider that. Number four, other ways you can reduce the purchase options you present to your reader. Uh, again, that was the example we took from our first case history of where we had an annual, a annual plus bonus, and a monthly option. Um, when you offer monthly options, it's, it's often for a good reason to capture as many people as possible, but it, that may not work. It may not be your best. Answer. So again, the, the, quick, the quick answer there is ask the question, and even if you feel you're sure of the answer, test it. Test it, because we tested it, and I know we need to go back and, and do a specific A-B split test on that. Um, but from the figures, the more detailed figures we have, uh, it certainly appears that reducing those options helped us there, in, in terms, certainly in terms of increasing revenues. So if we can move on to page slide 14. Number five, how much information do you need purchased to provide right now? This is enormously important, and there's always a tension here. Um, ideally, as marketers, we want to collect as much information as possible. Uh, but also, again, something we've learned through a lot of testing, and, a, and, a, and I'm sure a lot of you have too, is that the more information you ask for, the fewer the number of people who complete the form and, and click on that final button. So as you need to reduce the amount of information you require in order to secure that immediate purchase. If you can do that, if you can secure the purchase, you can always ask follow-up questions on the next page, on the confirmation or thank you page. So think carefully, how much information, what information do we need to ask in order to secure the subscription or the sale? Then follow up. If there's, if there's non-essential but important information, you can put it up on a follow-up page. You can, in some instances, we, we, with research partners, we've added an incentive to that page uh, to incentivize people to provide us with that additional information. You can also, with your welcome emails and a follow-up email sequence, uh, you, you can again ask for more information. And again, if you can add an incentive there, you'll, you'll increase response rates. 
Number six, this is, this is incredibly important. What is the best sequence in which to present choices and ask for information? In some cases, your best bet is to ask for the absolute minimum amount of information, and that is often an email address. So on page one, you just ask for an email address. On page two, you get into the rest of uh, what you need to know. If people don't click through to page two or don't complete the information on page two, then at least you have their email address and you can get back to them and help them and ask them if they had a problem or ask them if there's any, you know, any way you can help them, like what the problem was. Now, like I say, there's a, there's a tension here because what we deliberately did in both of the case histories described today is we put all of the information we really needed into one page. So, again, this is something where you test. You, you prioritize the sequence of information. What's the most important thing? The most important thing is, is, is very often the email address. Um, the next most important thing may be first name, last name. Uh, the next most important thing may be credit card information, etc. So, so look carefully at your purchase and subscription pages. Look carefully at the sequence in which you ask for, ask for information. On a lot of pages we look at, it asks for first name, last name, address, credit card information, and then email address. Well, if someone completes five fields and then gives up, you, you'll never know it except through your server logs. If you put the email address first and then have them confirm at some point, at, at that point, at least you can get back to them. But like I say, there is this constant tension between, one, we want this person to complete the process on one page if possible. Two, we don't want to overwhelm them with too long of a form. So, so this is something where, um, and, and if Aaron Rosenthal was online, and unfortunately he's not able to be today, um, I don't know with National Letter Registry how many tests we have done on this precise topic of sequence of information asked, of amount of information asked, and also on one page and two page. Uh, like I say, there are, there, are, there are strong reasons here for putting everything on one page. There are other strong reasons for collecting the email address first and then having a second page. There is a lot of kind of tension in between. And we have run, I know we've run a great number of tests on that, and we keep refining that. So, so again, that's something that you may want to look at and, and you may want to do on your, your most important offer um, and sales pages. Finally, uh, point seven here. Does your page look simple? Th this may sound like a, like a simple question, but it's, 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 it's in many ways it's a profoundly important question. It's what, what, what we did with both of the case histories today is we made the pages look simple so that when people arrived at the page, they could see at a glance that they did not have to choose between different columns. They did not have to look at multiple images to the left and right. It looked simple. It looked like you just had to go to the page and read from top to bottom. That, that, that the appearance of simplicity is, is, is enormously important because people, when they come to a page for the first time, will make all kinds of first impressions in their minds. 
um, you know, they'll be looking at that, and they will, they will. People will come to a page. Some will start reading. Some won't. You, you need to maximize the number of people who do. And a very powerful way of that is to make people look at the page and think, oh, okay, this doesn't look too hard. Again, this sounds very obvious, but but next time you're going through some sites, some other sites, or even your own sites, have a look and see how true of that is of your own. Uh, you know, offer pages, landing pages, subscription or purchase sequences. Have a look and, and see how simple the page looks. Uh, in many cases, it doesn't look simple, and, and that really works against us. So I think maybe we have a final slide with a final few words, but really we're, we're, we're pretty close to wrapping up. Um, Bob, I don't know whether you've had a chance or Carlos to have a look at and see if we have any uh, questions uh, that are really useful to uh you know to clarify some of the points hi nick this is uh, this is bob um we hi. have had over 80 questions um and carlos has uh, answered um about half of them um, um the uh some of the ones that are longer um what uh, what carlos is asking uh, for the longer questions um is that um they um be sent to uh, editor at marketingexperiments.com, and we'll answer them in, in detail. Uh, Nick, I've chatted um, a number of questions uh, to you through, uh, you know, individually uh, through the chat window, ones that I think you may be able to handle online. Oh, okay, because I must admit as I go through the, uh, uh, I'm not aware of all of these. So you've chatted, these, these are under the questions and answers? No, it'll be under the chat window. I, I individually chatted the uh, ones that I thought you, you would be able to handle uh, within the context of the call. Uh, we're answering as many as possible um, you know, directly, um, but the uh, ones that, that, uh, that you could handle in the context of this call, uh, I've chatted to you individually. So, so okay, i got a question here. We, we only have a few minutes, but it would be good if we can get some of this. I'm sorry I didn't get to this sooner. Uh, Nick from Jenny, what is your recommendation when using opt-in pages? Should they be separate from the main landing page? I'm not sure I quite understand the question. Uh, do you understand that, Bob? I'm, I'm going to move on to the next one. So, Nick, a uh, question from Gail. A single column could make for a very long page. Are there guidelines for maximum page length? Well, <laughs> are there guidelines? No, I don't think there are. I don't, I don't think anyone out there has established a maximum length for a page. Uh, I know all of us have seen uh, all of those very strong, hard-hitting sales pages where people are trying to sell us information products, which appear to go on for about... 30 screens or more. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that kind of length uh, for any kind of corporate site or any kind of business that is uh, wants to be taken maybe more seriously than, than some of those businesses and, and, and the particular niche they're in. Um, I think when you look at a page, if you if you get a sense, because there are, I've, I've, I've been on some pages where it seemed like a legitimate site and I started scrolling down, and I began to feel, wow, this is long. And then you look over onto the right cursor, that cursor bar, and you look at it, and you think, wow, this is really long. Now, as soon as somebody thinks that, you have a problem. So, so I think a page does need to be 
reasonable in length. Like, like if you know, if it, and it depends what it is. If it, if it, if it's strong content, if it's an article, if it's a review, if it's a scientific paper, and people are scrolling down three, four, five screens, I don't think that's a problem. If it's if 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 you're selling a service or you're selling features or benefits of a service, um, I, I would say as a rule of thumb, and again, this this is just me. All right, this is not from our test data. I would say, you know, when you're getting down to something like four screens, five screens, you need to start asking yourself, is there a better way for us to present this information? Um, because for sure, some people, when presented with a long, long page, will say, I don't have time for this. Uh, I know that when I am presented with a long, long page, and it's really important to me, there comes a point at about five pages where I say, forget it, and I print it out so I can read it later. Because often during the day, I don't have time to read four or five pages of, of screen. Um, so, so use your judgment. If, 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 if it's getting long, if you get a sense that people are going to think, oh, man, this is a long read, then you need to look at what you're trying to achieve. You need to look at the purpose of the page and say, can this reasonably be broken into, in, into separate areas? Do we really need all this within one page? Uh, so I've got another question coming here from Bob, from Jeanette. This is very closely focused on landing the subscription pages. Any advice for navigation and reference type pages? Yes, I understand the question, uh, and yes, we, we, we quite often pay quite a bit of attention to, to landing pages, subscription pages, sales pathways. With regard to navigation and reference type pages, like an information page, a site, a, non, a non-profit site, it won't be the same, but a lot of the same principles apply. Uh, one, of the, one of the things is... is and, and this is based, in fact, on, on work I was doing before I joined Marketing Experiments. I, I, I did some work with the American Cancer Society, and, and, and they have so many different people coming to their site, uh, cancer.org. Uh, and, this, you know, they have patients, they have doctors, they have researchers, they have family, they have fundraisers. They have so many different people with so many different things to say to these people that, that they had this awful problem of how do we present this without looking cluttered. And what they did is actually they, they did the correct research and they figured out, they, they, they put in a sequence, who is our largest group of visitors, who is our second largest group, who is our third largest group. It turned out in the case of American Cancer Society that the first largest group of visitors were friends of family of people recently diagnosed with cancer. So that is what they did, is, 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 is that is how they opened on their home page. They didn't open all about the Cancer Society. They opened to satisfy the needs of the largest group of visitors. And, and, then, and then in sequence, two, three, four, five, uh, they then addressed the other groups of visitors. So it's, it's, one, it's a matter of understanding who your visitors are and, and what proportion they come in, and, and then sequencing the information. The second is to be, be really fight hard against those people that I, I call rather rudely the stakeholders, and these are the gentlemen in suits who come into a meeting and tell you you have to add this graphic, this box, this reference, this link. Uh, anything that, all that we were saying today about distraction, about dividing attention, fragmenting attention, this applies to any site, a reference site, a nonprofit site, a technical site, 
regardless, even if it's business to business and people are at work and they feel they're obliged to read a page because it's, it's a work requirement, you can make it much easier for them by simplifying the entire experience for them. So, so today was, yes, about subscriptions, but there is a lot. There is a lot that can be applied there to, to any kind of web page. And another thought about um, about navigation and reference pages, uh, just as a matter of principle uh, and practice, is um, you uh, ordinarily have a specific um, purpose for your site. Uh, your site is uh, is uh, either to get someone to purchase something, uh, to uh, to inform someone, to get them to take some specific action, and the the process of taking them down the preferred path. Uh, the path that that accomplishes that purpose most effectively, um, you know, we have referred to as the funnel, uh, bringing uh, you know bringing visitors down the path that the, that gets them toward the goal um, of of your specific site, and um, one general rule of thumb for reference and navigation pages is um, all of the pages that take someone out of the funnel. Number one, those should be uh, minimized, uh, you know, pages that uh, can distract, and, uh, and Nick spoke about that about uh, distractions on a single page earlier. But there's another variety um, of pages that take or links that can take one either completely off your site uh, or to uh, to peripheral pages that may inform. But once again, for those pages, there should be readily available. Um, ideally, if uh, you know if you have some, um, you know the the CSS on your page can uh, can have a fixed set of tabs or links. Um, always um, uh, permit someone, make it easy for someone to get back in the funnel if they've needed to uh, um, to to come out for some uh, particular purpose. Um, make it. Uh, very easy. Um, you know, some some will even open uh, links that can be distracting or take uh, take one off the the funnel in a new window in a new uh, um, yeah. browser window. Um, so, yeah. you know, one item there is once again make it easy to get back in the funnel if you must um, uh, provide. I mean, the way Bob, I have of like saying that in a, in a in a kind of simplified way is 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 help people find what they want. And you do that with simple design, uh, clarity in your writing, and like Bob says, you, you create funnels to help people find what they want. Help people. Help people. Uh, a website that is built around the premise of helping people find what they want, uh, just that mindset can make a big difference to how you design and write and, and, and construct a site. So, Bob, I think we're a little over time here. Um, so, so I think we should probably wrap up. Uh, as Bob said, questions that come in, if they haven't been answered, um, they will be forwarded to us, and we will do our best to get back to and provide answers on all those questions in a timely fashion. So we all of us thank you very much for attending, and we hope to see you in two weeks today when we have a, we'll be doing a webinar on the use of video, the use of video and video clips online as a marketing tool. Uh, this is a very hot topic right now. We have done, we have been putting a lot of time and effort and research into this over the last several months. And uh, I think we'll probably have enough data for, for several webinars, but our first set of findings 
who we'll be sharing two weeks today. So, so please watch out for the email that announces that. Um, and we look forward to, to seeing you again then. Okay, thank you very much, everybody.